America's original and oldest heritage pack company, Duluth Pack, hosts a podcast led by CEO Tom Sega. Real stories with real people who we admire, plus outdoor industry conversations, business discussions, entrepreneurial advice, and more. Now enjoy this week's episode of Leader of the Pack. This is the review of the week. It's from Sweet Tilly. Great podcast and Duluth Pack business. I really enjoyed the podcast. Very informational. Duluth Pack is an exceptional business. I love the products and the owner and staff really treat you great. I definitely encourage you to go online or stop in their amazing store in Duluth for great products and service. Hey everybody, this is Tom Sega from Duluth Pack and this is Leader of the Pack. Today's special guest, and boy, we're gonna have some fun here, is Matt Baumgartner, the president of the Duluth Area Chamber of Commerce. Welcome, Matt. Thanks, Tom, so much for having me. Uh, I've been a long time uh, supporter and fan of yours from our days in Canal Park together and appreciate all that you and yours do in this community. So really, it's an honor to be here today and I'm humbled. And I've got to note that uh, I'm 100 days into this position now and you're one of the first people who hasn't introduced me as Matt Baumgartner, the new chamber president. And so the fact that you got rid of the new on the front end of that, I greatly appreciate. Yeah, you know, I'm going to ask some questions uh, about some of that. Uh, we won't call it new, but we'll call it a big set of shoes that you have to fill, which you and I have discussed at previous engagements. And, and you know that and you knew that getting in. But before we get to all of that and 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 your new role as the, the big dog at the Duluth Area Chamber of Commerce, what we want to do, Matt, is we want to learn a little bit about you, the person, and what does it take to actually get you to a position that you're in? So, Matt, let's just go way, way back, and, and, and you tell us about you. Where are you from? Where did you go to high school? Where did you go to college? And what did you major in and why? Yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate that because a lot of those elements, I feel like, are what led me to this point. It really feels like uh, kind of um, the amalgamation of a lot of things that have happened in my life. So I'm a born and raised Duluthian, grew up in the Chester Bowl neighborhood. Uh, yeah. Amen. Um, and both of my parents are from the Iron Range. And uh, my dad's side was involved in mining and a lot of them worked at EvTac. My mom's side owned a lot of businesses up on the Iron Range, um, and they moved. They ended up moving to Duluth uh, after grad school. They both went to Carleton College, and they went away for grad school and moved to Duluth, um, and that's where I was born and raised. My dad uh, worked at St. Luke's for 40 years, um, and my mom's worked for the city of Duluth for nearly 40 years, and so um, you know, you'll see some of these elements that kind of build into uh, me getting to the chamber, certainly understanding uh, the regional components and the regional hub that Duluth can be in, the importance of the iron range and the iron that we ship out of our port. Those are all big parts of uh, what we are as an economic region. Um, I am married to Amanda, wonderful woman, and have two children. Uh, Amanda is a therapist and she had worked at uh, Northwood Children's Services for nearly a decade and now she just uh, is going to be starting a job for Essentia Health at Amberwing. And so she does incredibly important work here in, in the area. Um, I'm one of five kids. I have a, an identical twin brother. So if you ever are in the downtown area and you happen to see somebody who looks like me, but I'm not saying hi, I'm giving you the cold shoulder. It's not because I'm having a bad day or that I'm mad at you. It's probably my identical twin. He works for Estherbrook uh, accounting firm downtown. Um, I have a younger sister who works as a, a school counselor in the Twin Cities another brother who works uh, as an accountant for the Kohler Automotive Group here in town. Um, and then my youngest sister uh, just completed her LSAT and she's making the next plans for her, uh, for her life. Um, wow. I, yeah, yeah. I went to Holy Rosary grade school, now Stella Maris, and I went there from K through eight. So I spent nine years there. Um, then I went to Duluth Central, class of 02. I loved my time at Duluth Central. I really, really loved it. I, uh, I regret that we don't have homecoming games and things like that to go back to because it was a wonderful experience in my life. Uh, went to St. Up, John's University. Up on the hill. Yeah, up on the yeah, hill. Yeah. Beautiful views. It's unbelievable. Oh. Uh, I'm, ex I'm excited about uh, what the, the new owner of some of the, the parcels up there is, is planning to do. I think that's really exciting. Long overdue. 
Um, I won't go back and lament or litigate any of the previous decisions there. I'm happy that somebody's going to be moving into that space. That is great. You're right. It, it's a beautiful space. Uh, went to St. John's University and then uh, Excelsior College, where I just finished my Master of Business, Business Administration. And so my education, both at the undergraduate and graduate level, was in business. Um, the uh, specialty, the, the concentration for my MBA was accounting. Um, and so, you know, what did I, how did I think that this would play out for me? I thought that I, I might end up in uh, the corporate business world in some sort of leadership role was the whole, maybe on the finance side of things. Um, and, uh, and so all of that has kind of led up to, to being here in my professional side of things. Uh, I spent the last 14 and a half years working for a grandma's restaurant company in business. So, uh, was able to balance kind of the education side of things with, um, with the real world applied experience, um, which I think is so critical for anybody who's going to, uh, to lead a chamber, um, especially one of our size uh, to actually understand what those businesses go through on a day-to-day basis. And part of that learning experience was hearing from folks like you over the years uh, down with the Canal Park Business Association and just um, understanding uh, what people go through and the risks they have to take in order to be in business. So, Yeah, um, you, were very, you were very instrumental and very involved in the Canal Park Business Association when you were with grandmas and uh, boy, that, you know, if, if you're going to learn some business, a restauranting business uh, is definitely a place because uh, it can be feast or famine and holy cow through through COVID. I really feel for anyone that's in the restaurant business because it's been a, a long uh, two years, which probably seems like 20 years to most restaurateurs. And and uh, it continues with just staffing and seeing the doors that, uh, hey, we can't we can't staff enough. So we need to be closed on Monday and Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever day it might be. So pretty tough deal. And, and I'm assuming you learned a lot of the business side when you were with grandmas. Oh, I, I learned so much and had so many great mentors there. Um, I want to touch on your point, though, with the pandemic, because there's some really interesting things that happened there. When the pandemic first uh, took hold, March of 2020, um, we in the restaurant industry and and even in the hotel side of things that we had our hands in had no idea what to expect. We didn't know if it would ever restaurants would ever exist uh, again. and, And if they did, in what shape, where would consumer demand be? Um, and as the pandemic went on, what we saw is uh, it actually, I think, increased people's, uh, pun intended here, appetite to be able to be in things like restaurants and socialize and be around each other. And so on the other side of it, there's been this huge demand for that experience economy for restaurants, uh, for breweries and things like that. So the demand is there. Uh, but to your point, the, the labor supply is not there. And so unfortunately, for these businesses that have tiptoed and uh, trapeze through the pandemic. Um, now they're trying to do things like uh, figure out what hours do we need to be open to maximize our profitability because we don't have the staff to be open for our normal hours. And these are businesses that in an area like Duluth, they don't cash flow for three fourths of the year. They have their little window to cash flow. Um, and that makes the rest of it worthwhile. And to not be able to be open for your full hours is really tricky. Um, the silver lining to all of that is you really have seen the entrepreneurial spirit and the creativity and the the work ethic that goes into being in business like that because everybody has gotten their hands dirty so to speak and and gotten involved in different things uh, including one of my mentors um, who's now the owner of grandma's restaurant company Andy Borg he would be at events this summer and, and working in the restaurants helping out anywhere he could and so um, to the to the point about the experience at grandma's uh, to be able to learn from people like Andy people like Brian Doherty has been absolutely outstanding. And uh, it's one thing to be able to, to manage uh, a business, uh, or in this case, a restaurant operation that is growing in revenues. Um, you know, that, that is fun and that's exciting. And those are fun financial statements to look at, uh, but it's much more difficult to manage uh, when those revenues stagnate and you continue to see your expenses grow. Um, and that's a big learning experience there, which um, I don't necessarily wish on anybody because it means your, your revenues aren't growing, but uh, what an experience to be able to go through and understand and uh, find ways to sharpen the pencil yet still provide a great experience to customers. So, you know, the old statement of what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. And I think a lot of us uh, it can, can really uh, grasp into that 
after going through, it doesn't matter what business, what industry you're in of, of any type, you're talking about restauranting, but I don't think it matters what you're in going through what this whole world and, and our country and, and our state and our city has gone through. And I know you're more tied in with the, the local economy here, but you also uh, you know, are, are a bigger picture with your, your, your role now. Um, everyone has had to do what you just said, like with, with Andy, just roll your sleeves up and do what it takes to get it done. And, and that's what entrepreneurs actually do. We, we just dig in like that. So you are, you are 100% correct there, Matt. So let's talk about your position because you lead a large chamber of commerce. And you know Duluth, Minnesota is not the biggest city in the world, but I think that the chamber of commerce, the number of businesses that partake the number of people per business that partake is pretty off the charts compared to a lot of communities the same size and a lot of larger communities. You know, you just had your your annual gala go on here a week or so ago. And unfortunately, I was out of town. I wasn't able to, to be there, but I know our a bunch of our staff was and everyone was very happy to see that the numbers were huge again. I mean, we're talking 1,200 people from a small community uh, at your gala. So let's talk about your current position. That's the kind of the 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 big enchilada of the year. Um, but there's a lot of other things that go into this that that are going to challenge you in your role, challenge your staff, challenge the chamber as a whole as we come out of this pandemic. Because you are really a voice. And, and a set of eyes and a cheerleader for all of us, the businesses. So let's let's talk about a couple of those things. First of all, what are some of the, the steps that, that, that took you? I, I wanna get back to you and your role before we get to the chamber as a whole sure, sure. In, in, in getting the successes you've had into getting your new role, because you know, I'll say it, you had a very large set of shoes to fill. Somebody who's been in that role for many years, you knew that individual, David Ross, as everyone who's involved in the chamber in this and around this area knew that. It was like, wow, Matt has a big set of shoes to fill. And, and what kind of steps do you believe would set you up to, to end up in a role like that, that you have a big set to fill? Yeah. And I have to say it, I, I wear a size 10. He probably wears a size 15 or 16. He's six foot six. I certainly am not. Um, so I always have to get that in there. I know it's uh, a dad joke, but I'm a dad now, so I can say that. There you um, go. Yeah. So I think that, as I mentioned, so um, having uh, being born and raised in Duluth gives me a great and deep passion for our area. But also having a family that comes from the range gives me kind of a broader perspective uh, on what it means to be a regional hub like Duluth is and the importance and interconnectedness of all of us in St. Louis County because uh, sometimes there can be that north and south divide. Um, and really for all of us to thrive, we need to work together. So that was a, an element of it also. Um, and then going through uh, school and going through my career with grandmas, it deepened my passion for what business can provide to communities. And it's not just that uh, it provides products and services, uh, it provides jobs to communities, which give people confidence and the means to support their family. It provides revenues to the city so that the city can do the important work that they need to do. Um, and without a thriving economy, without thriving businesses, that's when we see, see cities end up turning out the lights. And so um, to really see the importance from different perspectives of what business means to people. You know, another example acutely was during the pandemic when people were, we had to lay off a lot of people at grandma's when they got laid off, you really saw um, individuals confidence take a hit, you saw insecurity set in, and that was such an unfortunate thing that, that took place. And so having a thriving business uh, community is so important for a variety of reasons. And my passion for that has grown through some of these different steps that I've taken. Running concurrent to that has been a love of this community. And I think service to this community was instilled in me by my parents who have been involved in a number of boards and commissions and groups over the years. Um, and so that was something that I grew up with and uh, that was normal for me. And so when I had the opportunity early in my professional career to start joining um, some nonprofit boards or community organizations, um, I wanted to get into that. And in doing that, um, 
I didn't run the other direction. I found that I really enjoyed balancing the work in business with improving the community through, uh, through work on boards such as uh, the YMCA or the Lake Superior Marine Museum, the Canal Park Business Association we mentioned, uh, and groups like that. And so um, my love of business is growing and my love of community and having community impact is growing. Um, and then in 2015, 2016, I, I was fortunate to be able to join the Chamber of Commerce Board of Directors here. And that really was the perfect intersection of business and economic transactors and industry and community development. I mean, the chamber is a landing spot for those things. And so served on the board and uh, had the opportunity to serve as board chair um, and was just thrilled that I even had that opportunity, um, but thought that, you know, my experience with the chamber would end with my board service and I would, I would move on. I had a great job with grandmas and grandmas is an organization that gives you the latitude to be able to be involved in the community. And I appreciated that. Uh, but then um, my predecessor uh, who left an amazing legacy of leadership here in this community announced his retirement. And uh, all of a sudden, something that I wasn't expecting at that time became a reality. And that was that this position was open. And in the snap of my fingers, in the blink of an eye, um, I all of a sudden realized this would be my dream job. And so I uh, went home and had a conversation with my wife who basically said to me, I can't believe you're only thinking about this now. This is the perfect job for you, go for it. Um, and so all of these things kind of led up to this moment. And I don't know, Tom, why I was so fortunate or so lucky to find myself in that position. And I understand that as a part of that equation, there is preparation for it. And, and I take great pride in having worked hard to get here, but I don't know how I got so lucky to be in the right place at the right time. And uh, so put my heart and soul into the three month interview and uh, application process and met with the board many times and was very fortunate to be selected uh, to lead this. And um, you know, the first day that I sat down in the office, I had to pinch myself because I just couldn't believe that it was true. And from there, it's just been the most fulfilling and rewarding, uh, challenging and, ins and inspiring uh, couple of months that I could have ever imagined. And every day, you know, you hear people say it every day I wake up and I'm excited to come into work. I've heard you say that yourself. Um, and that's such a fortunate uh, thing to be blessed with. So that's a little bit about kind of what led me here. When it doesn't feel like work, when it feels like going and playing in the playground, uh, there's something right happening there. And, you know, I had, it's funny, I had a whole list of questions to ask you here uh, on that, on, on getting to that position, such as the importance of networking and the importance of learning during your career and, and advice for young adults. Well, you just gave all of that right there. So that was, that was a, a great uh, segue into to our next part is, is, Matt, tell us what a typical day looks like now that you're you're up and running in your in your role, and I'm I'm not going to call it new role anymore. That's behind us. This is your <laughs> role. This is your baby. What's a typical day look like? Thank you. And I I, I do want to add one other thought that came to mind about uh, preparing for for something like this and advice that I would give anybody. Um, and that's that if you see an opportunity out there, keep your eyes open for opportunity. And if you see an opportunity out there, go for it. Believe in yourself because so often we can find ourselves in the trap of overthinking something, getting analysis paralysis, thinking, man, I, I can't check every single box off on this list. And the reality is uh, before you take on that opportunity, whatever that is, whether that's in your career or whether that's in your personal life uh, or within a community organization, um, until you set foot in there and start experiencing it, um, nobody can check everything off that list. And if you have passion for it um, and if you have enthusiasm for it, uh, and a, a good work ethic, sometimes that can take you very far. So if there is an opportunity that you see out there, go for it, believe in yourself. Um, and, uh, and so uh, talking about a, a typical day in, in, in my role, um, and one of the things that I absolutely love so much about this is no two days are the same. Um, there are some uh, similarities, certainly, but no two days are, are the same. And so, um, you know, right now, what a lot of my day, days consist of are I'm trying to do uh, about two stakeholder meetings per day, which uh, when I first mentioned that, it seems like a, a lot to people, but I find so much energy um, in connecting with people. Um, and it's been so helpful for me as I uh, report to my board about strategic directions that we want to take. And so those stakeholders might be uh, one of our many members, 
Um, it might be uh, elected officials at the local, state, or even federal level. We met with Senator Klobuchar when she was here yesterday for the Essentia um, uh, topping. Um, it might be uh, uh, other chamber groups. I've met with the Minnesota Chamber many times. They've got a great team there under Doug Loon, uh, the United States Chamber. And so connecting with all of those groups is inspiring, it's energizing, and it's so informative. It's such an important part of the work. And so that was something I wanted to jump into right away. Um, so on a typical day, I would have uh, at some point in time, there are a couple meetings with uh, stakeholders. Not every single one of those is a two-hour lunch uh, where we um, uh, solve the world's problems, so to speak, or try to. Uh, sure. Some of those might just be a 30-minute phone call or something like that. Um, and then from there, it kind of uh, depends on where we are at in the time of the month and where we're at on our kind of calendar of activities. From the, the, the day that I started at the end of July through the end of October, it's a very busy time for our organization where we are welcoming on new board members. Um, so a day might include uh, doing new board member orientations. Um, we also in there uh, completed our operating budget for 2022. Um, we put together a, a new strategic plan for next year. And we actually, instead of doing it uh, how we had previously done it, we put together a strategic matrix, which kind of lays out our priorities a with a little bit more clarity. Um, we were preparing for big annual events like our golf classic this summer, our annual dinner, as you mentioned, at the end of October. And so um, I couldn't tell you what a typical day looks like because the only thing that's consistent there is inconsistency. Um, and no matter what day it is, a new email will come in um, asking for, a member, for some advocacy from a member or a new article will come out uh, that impacts our business community and we need to strategize around that. And so um, one of the things to uh, maintain a level of communication with our members that we did this fall was put out a business condition survey. Uh, we wanted to see understanding that in business, every industry has its own unique challenges. Every business has its own unique challenges, depending on things like how many employees you have, where you're at in the life cycle of your business, um, how big your revenues are, where your target market is for your products or, or services. Uh, but there would be some themes that would emerge from a survey like that, that would allow us uh, to be informed strategically. Um, and so we put a lot of work into that. And, and that was something that on a daily basis, we would be monitoring and, and uh, sorting through that data. Um, and uh, a lot me, of, uh, go Matt, ahead. Let me ask you a couple things. One is, I think you're very well positioned because of your, your experiences for a day to day that, that and I, and I, was quite certain that your answer to that question was every day to day is very different, which makes it challenging, which makes it good. Yeah. And I think your history has set you up very well for that. But also you talk about the communication part of it. And I know that as a business, as a small business, that's one of the things that, that we look so forward to. And we're looking so forward to with you is because there's the, the communication between the community, the communication between business to business, we all have, and you said it, we all have our own challenges, big or small businesses. We all have our own and they're unique to us, but to us, there are big challenges. And we lean on you and we, we try to lean on the other business community uh, to help us through some of those experiences. So what is the biggest challenge that you see as a whole going forward for not only your role, because we, we come to you as those eyes and ears and, and, and our cheerleader for our businesses, but, but for each individual business, big or small, what do you see the biggest challenges out there for us? Sure, well, I'll, I'll say a couple that I don't think will come as any surprise, and then I'll share a challenge that we um, actively began working on immediately once we saw it emerge as a theme. Um, so some that won't come as a surprise, that are big challenges that a lot of organizations are working on because they're big complex challenges. Continued recovery efforts around pandemic relief and support. Um, and, and that comes in many different forms. It comes in providing information sometimes, um, you know, as the, uh, as the court system works through the vaccine mandate and how that's gonna end up, uh, we wanna make sure that we're providing members with accurate information on that so they know what they need to do there. Um, as new streams of relief funds or grants become available, we want to make sure that our members are aware of that. Um, and 
so uh, certainly until um, we get a grasp on this pandemic and every time it feels like we have a grasp on it, then something changes. Uh, and some of that is due to politics at the federal level. Some of it's due to uh, a very difficult uh, 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 public health issue with the pandemic. So that, that will remain a challenge. Uh, workforce, we talked about it earlier, um, remains a challenge for all of our businesses, regardless of the industry. Our largest employer, Essential Health, has 1,400 open positions right now. Uh, St. Luke's isn't far behind that. Um, I, I did a, a membership meeting with a couple different members that are involved in the design and build community. They have many, many open positions. We talked about restaurants. They weren't able to be open to full hours. And so that is a critical challenge that we need to uh, start working on. We need to get people who have taken themselves out of the labor force, meaning they're not actively looking for work. We need to re-engage them into the labor force. Uh, we need to um, you know, do a better job of retaining college graduates when they, when they are done with school in the area and connect them with jobs here locally. Um, and then we need to start thinking outside of the box and start thinking creatively about uh, other populations of people that might be um, looking for work within the trades or looking for uh, work within um, some of the skilled labor jobs that we have available because those are the backbones of economic development. Um, and, and so we need to make sure that we're, we're doing a lot of work there. Um, and so uh, workforce, um, and then as a subset of that, which becomes kind of a chicken and an egg, childcare and housing. So housing, um, when we're trying to recruit workers to the area. So I'll use Essentia again as an example. I'll also use my friend Marla, who works um, as the head of HR at St. Luke's. Um, they're trying to recruit nurses and physicians and administrative people to the area to work for uh, our healthcare institutions, which operate as regional hubs, and they can't find housing for them. And so that becomes such a limiting issue to workforce. Uh, equally, childcare. If you work in healthcare or you work in retail or you work in uh, higher education or hospitality and tourism, you don't always need childcare that's nine to five. And uh, already we're limited on childcare spots for nine to five jobs, but we don't really have any childcare that operates outside of that. And so that becomes limiting to get people into the labor force. And at a time when um, everybody kind of did a self-reflection and uh, decided if their career was right for them or not, a lot of people chose to then stay home and, and be with the kids, which um, uh, a very noble decision. I mean, our children are our greatest resources, but we also need people in the labor force. So uh, childcare becomes limiting there too. So those are ones that I don't think would, would surprise anybody. Um, and manufacturing, uh, I mean, that's what we're, the businesses we're in are manufacturing. And I can tell you, we've been just dying to, our backorder lists keep growing because the simple fact that we can't hire enough people to build products. And I know it's myself and I'm in a lot of circles with other small manufacturing yep. to medium manufacturing. And, you know, you're talking about the, the, the healthcare and the, the hospitality industry, but it's like every industry, yep. man, it's crazy. And I know we're all leaning and screaming at you to go mad, help us. And, yep. and, and we'll continue to do that because we do need the help in every single sector, because if any of us think we're in this boat alone, we're not. Yep. And uh, and we like to yell and scream like we're in the worst position ever, but we're all we're all in it together, and we have to all figure out how to paddle that canoe the same direction and and make sure that people know there are good jobs. And I'll be selfish for this part of the country up in northern Minnesota that that there are, everybody's looking. So if you want to have a job, move up here, and and we'll definitely hire you and and uh, find jobs for you. And, I, I assume that was going to be the one that you said, okay, this is the easy one. Even though it's hard on business, it was going to be the easy one because you know it's challenging to everyone right now. Yeah, no, all of that was perfectly said, Tom. And it's, I think it's an exciting opportunity to work on because, um, you know, I, I don't want to, I'll say it and I don't want to say it. It's a good problem to have. And I only say that if we can solve it, um, if it's this perpetual problem that keeps limiting us, then I don't love it anymore. But it's a good problem because, it shows that we have great employers up here. We have a great economy up here. We have industry. We have manufacturing, like you mentioned, aviation, healthcare, higher ed. We've got everything. And then we've got the support services that, that supplement all of those jobs, like banking and financial and accounting and all those things. So it's a great problem, but we have to solve it. But it's an exciting problem to work on because I think that if we can start to, to make progress 
on the issues such as housing, such as childcare. We really can grow this economy like we need to, grow this tax base like we need to, grow the population like we need to. And that can bring Duluth into a great era, maybe its greatest era. Um, we've got some creative ideas out there where there's, there's really no pride in authorship uh, because more and more people are starting to talk about them. Um, Aaron Kelly, uh, who's on my board, he works for LHB, Credit Where Credit's Due, has really been uh, promoting an idea um, that, that I love as well, and I've been promoting it um, around commercial property. And because of the pandemic, we're kind of viewing commercial property differently. And we've got some vacancies and we're not sure, you know, will, will uh, people need office space like they used to ever again? I'm not sure. They were able to pull some overhead down with technology. We can work more remotely. So we know that we've got some, some vacancies and opportunities with commercial property. We also know that we have huge housing needs, but we are a landlocked community that faces a hill, that faces bedrock, uh, that faces uh, water. Um, and so uh, infilling and density is an opportunity there. Could we ever access, uh, whether it's uh, funds at the state, local, or federal level, uh, to pull down the cost per square foot to retrofit commercial properties to provide some housing in dense areas uh, and be able to start you know, bringing people here to work for uh, industry, to work for manufacturing, to work in, in all these different sectors that we have opportunities. So I, I share that because it's an exciting challenge to be able to work on because if we can solve it, there is a great outcome to that. And that is growth for our economy and growth for our area. Um, I've so, said that Matt for a while is that Duluth in our area, and I know it's a lot of growing areas, is the housing, affordable housing for young professionals, young people getting into their careers in, in no matter what those careers are, it's just cost prohibitive to, to rent. And there's, there's the homes, obviously we know what the interest rates are and homes are being sold before they hit the market and all that. For young people, it's, uh, there's several that have said, I'd love to live in the area, but where, do, where can I afford That's to right. actually rent or where can I afford to buy? And so those are definite, real, tangible issues that, that, that we have in the area and many areas do have as well. Yep. Yeah. We can't build them fast enough. Um, I've been a part of a couple different events recently. One for luxury high-end housing. There's a waiting list to get in. One for affordable low-income housing. There's a waiting list to get in. One for senior housing. You guessed it. There's a waiting list to get in. And so uh, we need to make sure that we continue to build those product, uh, uh, projects. And we need to make sure that we're doing everything we can uh, as a community as a business community, as a local government, and as residents to making sure that we can support those projects as they're going through the different phases. We shouldn't make it overly difficult on people. We need it, let's make it happen. And so um, if we can solve that, what an exciting thing for this area. Um, another one uh, that is a critical issue right now that I think businesses want to be involved in uh, doing better here, and that's the equality of opportunity. Um, it, it comes up time and time again, and it's a space that we need to, to, to do more work on. And I think that there's an opportunity there with workforce. So um, uh, communities of color, minority communities are unemployed at, at like three or four times the rate of uh, Caucasian communities. We need workforce. Let's do what we can to connect there and provide uh, more quality of opportunity. So that's an important one. And then I was talking about one that uh, is, is more specific less broad uh, and one that we jumped on right away. And that is uh, construction services and building permits. Um, and that, you know, some of that ties into housing, some of that ties into economic development. Um, we heard from at our chamber, let's do lunch yesterday, Jason Hale, who works uh, in housing for the city of Duluth. And, and he's appreciative of our efforts working on construction services and building permits. That has been a legacy challenge in Duluth where um, the, the reality is over time, different projects have uh, felt it was difficult to work with the city of Duluth to do a construction project, to obtain a building permit, to get through inspections. Um, and then that difficulty has ebbed and flowed a little bit over time. And it's never really been, uh, it's never really been fixed, solved or improved um, in perpetuity. And so um, we're in the business of building relationships and then working to solve problems. And so, um, uh, I had uh, relationships with a lot of people at City Hall from my previous work, and I have immense respect for people who want to work in public 
service jobs. Um, it's a difficult line of work to be in. And often, you, no matter what you do, you've got somebody criticizing you. So I have immense respect for people in those jobs. And I think if we share the same goal, which is to provide great customer service to the businesses, to the developers, uh, to people who want to do eco economic things here in this area, we share that goal. Let's do what we can to improve upon it. And so I'm so thrilled that the city uh, has partnered up with us on that. We've already had a couple of meetings um, and have actionable items. Uh, and so that's gonna be the first phase of that. Um, and then if we can actually make progress there and improve our construction service and building permit process, the next part of that is gonna be telling that story, having a narrative around that so that we can erode the lasting stereotype that's out there, the reputation that's out there, because those things linger and those things last. And even if we pr improve these things, if you and I did a project together 10 years ago and had a bad experience, we wouldn't know that things have changed. So we have to get out there and tell that story to let people know we're open for business. Business is good in Duluth. Um, and, and so that's one that we've been working on right away. Um, other uh, uh, kind of challenges that we're facing as a business community right now, we need to make sure we're incentivizing responsible economic development. I think that we as a community underutilize some of the tools that we have there. Um, and we need to make sure that we're connecting people who need mental health services or addiction services with the support that they need while balancing that with safety for our community. Um, I think that has to be a both and, um, and we have to do that because uh, it's, it's very unfortunate when we hear that folks don't feel safe in our community. And I don't think any one of us wants to see somebody fall through the cracks. So we need to make sure we're doing both and there. And, uh, and connecting people with services while creating a safe environment. So, you know, um, Matt, you, you hit on one thing there. And as a small business person, and I talk to a lot of business people around and it doesn't matter what sector we're in. Um, sometimes there seems like between any city, whether it's Duluth or any other city, you can choose the business people and the city fathers, if you will, it seems like there's a headbutting match that 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 we just can't get it together and work together for a common good. And 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 from the business side of things, I don't think any of us ever put our hand out and and, and look for handouts. What we try to do is say, hey, make progress easier for us. And and one of the things you hit on there was you, you said the word communication, you said the word relationship building and using you as a common thread for those two things between business and city uh, so that we're not butting heads all, all the time. I, I'm really excited to hear that for the simple fact that we always uh, feel like from a business community that the city's working against us, that we don't matter, even though we're employing people and, and we're doing everything we can to employ more people and, and educate people and train people. And then Hey, the city just is like, well, whatever. Um, and to hear that the communication and to hear about relationship building, I can tell you for me alone is really exciting. And this is near and dear to me on this podcast because I live in this community and I own businesses in this community. Uh, how can residents, Matt, how can they help and grow and improve the city, even though the residents may not be tied directly to the Chamber of Commerce. What would be some of your advice for, for residents on how they can help? That's such an insightful uh, question. And so to answer that, I'm gonna say um, a statement that I've said in a couple different communications pieces. Um, and I think that uh, it's such an important thing to be repeated. My goal as the leader of the Chamber is gonna be to create an environment where business is good in Duluth, where business is good for Duluth. We need great businesses such as Duluth PAC who are trying to, to do the right things, employ people the right way, be responsible corporate citizens. Where, so where business is good for Duluth um, and where business is good because of Duluth. And when I say that last one, business is good because of Duluth, I'm kind of directing that at the community, at the residents, because they hold such a big part of creating great business conditions and allowing our community to grow economically and grow our population. Um, but Duluthians, we are a tough bunch because I think at times um, we can be a bit parochial in Duluth. We love to be able to say, and I said it at the top, I love to be able to say I'm born and raised in Duluth. And you go to any, any speaking engagement, and people either feel the need to share that and celebrate that, which I love being able to do, or they feel the need to say, I've only been in Duluth for 10 years. I know that I can't say that I uh, was born and raised. And so I think we need to kind of open up 
the idea that it's okay if you're not from Duluth. We want to grow Duluth. And with that, um, I think Duluthians as a whole want the right things for the community. But I don't always think that they want to see uh, our community. I don't think everybody wants to see our community grow. Uh, and that can be a challenging thing when you're trying to create economic development. Um, if you ever have attended a city council meeting where a new development is on the agenda, residents often are there uh, complaining about it. And it's because they want to protect their neighborhood. They don't want to see any more density there and things like that. But then at the same time, we all go to social media and complain about property tax levy increases. And so there's a Venn diagram there where the center of that just doesn't exist. We can't keep our property taxes down, continue to provide the services that we need provided um, and not have growth. And so when we talk about communication and we talk about building relationships and we talk about educating, I think the chamber um, certainly plays an important role with that with local government. And I've been so thrilled that weekly I've met with the city council president because one of the problems that has taken place over time is that um, the city is going to go, the city or the city council is going to go and, and do something, and the business community isn't aware of it, uh, whether that's our fault or it's not our fault. We're not aware of it. And so we show up at the second reading of an ordinance and we start pounding our fist on the table saying, how can you do this to us? Um, and so that need to have constant dialogue and communication about, hey, here's an idea that we think uh, that you should do, or here's an idea that we think that you should steer clear of. So having that constant open communication. Um, that also needs to happen uh, with administration and businesses. Uh, and then that has to happen with our community and with our residents to say, look, here's the reality of it. If we really want Duluth to grow and we don't wanna to have to have stagnant population, here are some of the things that we're gonna to have to have difficult conversations about and come to terms with. And that's the need to look at density and look at some infilling. And I think we can do that in a responsible way where quality of life is maintained. I don't think that that's gonna be an issue for us. We've got uh, uh, an extremely uh, robust unified development code. And so I think we're, we're good there, but we have to, as residents say, you know what, um, when a new project wants to come to my area, I'm going to embrace that and I'm going to support that uh, and be okay with that. And so I think that as, uh, as residents, that's something that we need to kind of look internally about um, and uh, come to terms with a growth strategy and uh, an economic development strategy. Because short of that, um, we're going to run out of spaces that we can uh, put things and drop things into. So, um, another exciting thing to be involved in uh, will be those conversations with our community and with our residents. Matt, so how how would you suggest we go, and this is going to be a tough question, how do you suggest when you have the business community, you have the community as a whole, you have the the city of Duluth, you have the Chamber of Commerce, so you, there's, there's four there. When something is coming up and, and we agree, how do we agree to disagree? Because with social media these days, it's so easy to, I don't agree with that, I'm just going to throw you under the bus, and maybe I don't have the whole story, but I'm going to throw you under the bus anyway. And so often with that, we're given false choices. We're forced to choose between two things that are incredibly black and white and absolute. And oftentimes there's a way where we can find some compromise and some middle ground if, if we're willing to get together and collaborate. But with social media, there is no middle ground. It is absolutes and it is either you are right or you are wrong. Um, and, and so that that is part of that challenge and that's a difficult question to answer. But I think the, the first part of that is in having relationships with each other um, and being able to uh, establish some norms and ground rules with those relationships. For example, um, whomever the city council president is, as the leader of the chamber, I want to have a great relationship with that person. And I want us to be able to identify right away, we might not always agree about things, but we need to continue to work together and continue to get back together with each other in order for us to accomplish what we both want to accomplish at the end of the day, which is to make Duluth better and more prosperous for everybody. Um, and so I think, the first way that we can address that challenge is to, to have relationships with each other. Um, and I think uh, another big part of that um, is to identify that in a community like Duluth that was old industrial 
and has now found revitalization through economic diversity. Um, but we have challenges like landlocked and bedrock, and we haven't grown as much as maybe some of the other communities. These aren't gonna be easy things to answer. Um, they're complex challenges. And so uh, what it's gonna take is compromise. There isn't gonna be one absolute way to fix challenges that are this complex in our community. And so I think it's relationships. I think it's an acknowledgement of the complexity of things. And with that complexity comes the need uh, to compromise and not deal in absolutes and false choices. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, and then I think the last part of it is don't read comments on social media. I think that would make us all healthier individuals mentally. Hey, Matt, you don't have to worry about me because I have no social media. Smart man. You're a smart man. Well, I'm an old man. I can't keep up with the updates, so I just get rid of it. So, you know, one of the questions, and I think you just answered the majority of this one, is in your position, you could be put between a rock and a hard place at a lot of times, and I know your predecessor probably felt the same, and that is that tightrope walk of politics being the leader of the business community and dealing with the, the, the uh, uh, mayor, dealing with the, the city council as a whole, how, how, how do you walk that tightrope? Yeah, and we work a lot with the county board as well, um, and even some of our state uh, electeds. And so there is a, a tightrope to be walked every single day. Um, but a theme is emerging here. One of the, the uh, conversations that I had with some of our uh, local and state electeds um, is that we agreed that we will always be respectful with each other um, and that before we go uh, and make a comment to the media or before we go and do an interview with the newspaper, that we will have discussed things between each other and understood uh, the position that we will be taking. And so first it's communicating with each other and seeing is there a shared solution here? And if not, um, well, I want to be clear with you, here's the position that I'm taking and here's why I'm taking that position. It's not because I don't like you personally, it's not because I don't like you as an individual or respect the work that you're doing, but my position and my charge and the uh, mission and vision and core values that my organization has leads me to this. And so here's the position that I'm gonna take. Um, we respectfully uh, disagree and I can't wait until the next time we get together to discuss the next thing. And so um, I think that's the, there's no perfect way to walk that trapeze, um, that trapeze line, but that's the best way to do it. And it's through having a respectful relationship. And that has to be, that has to be formed before we start to get to these really difficult, challenging issues. It can't happen after that. It can't, after the fact, be like, hey, and now, uh, you know, we need to have a professional working relationship. It has to be beforehand. Um, and some really, really great things can come from that. If, if we look back in some of the, uh, the political history books, if you will, great bipartisan compromise was happening all the time. You have small but extremely loud groups on both ends of the spectrum. And you've got primarily everybody then in the center of things. Um, we can still make that happen. But to do that, we have to put in the work on the front end to form relationships, to understand each other, to respect each other, and, and know that there will be times that we agree and there will be times that we disagree and that is okay and that's healthy actually. And so um, I think that's the best way that we can walk that fine line. One last question about business, then we'll get into some fun stuff here, Matt, is what are some of the Duluth Area Chamber of Commerce resources that are available to we, the business people? Because I think a lot of us are like, oh, we're a member of the chamber, we pay our dues, but there are a ton of resources. What are some of those resources that maybe we don't know about or we don't even think about? Uh, you're absolutely right. And um, on a lot of the business retention and expansion and engagement visits that I'm doing, that's one of the things that I wanna remind people of because um, the, a chamber like ours, which is a, considered a fully built chamber, um, we are the second biggest traditional chamber in the state. Um, and one that has arguably some of the most influence within the state, uh, we, we offer so much, but it's one of those things that you have to use what we offer to be able to uh, get value out of it. So um, 
we offer, uh, we've talked a lot about it today, uh, advocacy and policy efforts. Um, we do that down at the state level. We do that at the city level. We advocate on behalf of members all the time. Um, weekly, I am writing letters of support for individual businesses when they have something going on um, or even uh, broader coalitions. Uh, and we have uh, committees like our military affairs committee that specifically supports the economic impact of the 148. They have an economic impact annually of $100 million a year. They employ 400 people full-time, 1,100 people total. Um, so we have those advocacy uh, and policy efforts that members can tap into. Um, we have a leadership program uh, that is uh, very highly thought of. Uh, we have 52 uh, students this year in that leadership program. It's a resume builder. It's a networking builder, um, a chance to learn a lot more about Duluth and everything that we have going on. Uh, we have a young professionals program um, that pre-pandemic uh, had huge numbers attending events. The pandemic was really hard on young professionals in general and specifically on young professional programs, um, but we still see great turnout. We had a, a, a recent FUSE is what we call that group, a recent FUSE event at Kitchigami Club that we had a great turnout for. Um, we have uh, beyond that, a huge amount of networking programming. And what I tell people about networking uh, when they're wondering what the chamber can do for them is don't go to one networking event and expect that your black book of business will uh, exponentially grow. Um, networking is something that you have to put time into so that when, uh, you know, if I'm in insurance and all of a sudden somebody's ready to switch their insurance provider, they think of Matt uh, because I've been at those events, I've built relationships with them. So we offer a wide dearth of networking programming. We offer educational programming both in uh, a regular series of professional development of Small Business Alliance. Um, we're gonna be doing policy and advocacy educational programming next year. Um, so great opportunities there. We also offer um, on acute issues that come up, uh, forums such as when uh, we do our candidate forums before elections. Uh, and so that's a chance for our members to be educated on candidates that might, uh, might fit what their values are or help their business. Um, we have a ton of marketing and sponsorship opportunities. We have more free marketing opportunities than many people realize. And we have to continue to remind people, like, we can do this for you. We help people with, uh, when you have job postings, we will help you uh, post those jobs postings. We do free press releases for members. Um, we have an annual series of large events that kind of pull all those things together in one as well. So a ton of things like that. We do ribbon cuttings, not just when you first open the business, but anytime you have something special going on, we bring our ambassadors there. So we offer an ambassador program. Um, I could continue to go on, Tom, but, but anything that a business needs, no matter where their life cycle is, I believe we can do something to advance their business and grow their business. So Matt, and, how, how do they get a hold of the Chamber of Commerce to, to, to talk to your staff about, hey, I, I was wondering if there's a resource for this or that, if they just don't know? Sure. Uh, maybe the easiest way would be to, to call us here at the Chamber, or they could send an email to inquiry at DuluthChamber.com. We're easy to find uh, online if you search uh, Duluth Chamber through your favorite search engine, we'll pop up right away. Um, and we've got the staff that I have here, uh, Tom, I'd be remiss if I didn't take some time to mention them because one of the great things about stepping into this role is yes, there are big challenges um, that align with everything that I love to do that I'm excited about diving into. But if there wasn't a great staff here, I wouldn't have the luxury of being able to dive into that because I would be working operationally on building a staff. Martha Bremer leads our Leadership Duluth and Fuse programs. They're award-winning programs. Kathleen Prevett has been our longest tenured employee at 10 years. Um, she does all of the large events that we do and they're fantastic. She also provides a lot of board support for us. Um, uh, Chris Johnson had been with the chamber uh, for a long time, left, got her master of business administration, now came back to us as our director of communications and marketing. And she's helping me with some, uh, some policy communication pieces uh, that, that we're, we've been putting out and we'll continue to put out. Aubrey Hagen is our director of membership and retention development. Um, and she's been able to uh, add new members um, and uh, sustain our membership at a 90% rate at a time when other chambers are down in the 60s. And so I can't wow. say enough about her. And then we just had Lori Steinbach, who had spent 22 years at Visit Duluth. 
join us as our office coordinator. And so she's somebody who knows everybody in this community. And so for the person that's answering the phone and, and greeting at the door, she knows everybody. And so having a great staff like that allows me um, to do the work that I think uh, is so critical for our business community right now, because I think that um, we're at a tipping point. We have more opportunities in the Duluth region than I think any other region in the state and maybe even in the Midwest. Uh, but we have these big challenges and we have to bridge that divide. I think the chamber is the right organization to lead that. But if we don't do that, we'll fall back the other direction. If we can do that, we will move into this incredible era for Duluth. Uh, it'll take difficult conversations, no doubt about it, with, like I said, local government, with businesses. We need businesses to embrace competition. We need businesses to believe that the pie can grow. Um, sometimes some of the, the entrepreneurs that I interact with um, have fallen in the trap of not believing that the pie can grow, but of just protecting market share. Um, I think we need to believe the pie can grow and embrace competition. And then, like we said, maybe, maybe the most difficult group, because they care so much about Duluth, because strengths can be weaknesses. That passion about Duluth sometimes limits residents' ability to see growth and what that looks like. So um, a wonderful staff here uh, that allows the, the work to be done by myself and the board of directors that I have um, is unbelievable. Our board chair, Dan Fanning, has worked in private business um, uh, for big companies in New York. He's worked now in higher education. He's been in the military. He's a combat veteran. He's the most strategic person I've ever met. He's five steps ahead. And it's like, you got to keep up with him. Um, and so it's an incredibly fortunate time for the chamber. Um, and I think the best way uh, to reach us would be contacting our staff through um, either email or phone. And the best way to find us, do a quick search of Duluth Area Chamber of Commerce. Matt, I got to tell you a, a quick story. So Please. on one of our podcasts, we had Sean Nelson, CEO of Cirrus Aircraft, one of the biggest employers in the area here. And when he first came to town and was new to town, uh, he was asked, uh, hey, would you like to uh, speak at a chamber event? And he said, oh, sure. He was telling us this. Uh, and, and, and he's like, yeah, sure, no big deal. Thinking that it's a small little chamber event because a lot of towns or chambers are pretty small. And he thought, oh, there's gonna be 15 or 20 people there. And literally a couple days prior to Bill King, one of his employees, told him, you do realize there's going to be 1,200 people there, do you not? And he's like, there's going to be what? And there was no backing out at that time. So quite a fun story because I remember Sean was new to town when he was the keynote speaker at the annual gala. So Matt, let's switch gears here. We're going to take a little breather and we're going to get into you just as a person a little bit, not chamber. What's Matt's favorite hobby? Spending time with my family would be up there. I've got two young kids who um, force me to be present and in the moment because if I'm not in the moment, something will go wrong. Somebody will get bumped or hurt. Um, so spending time with them, um, it also uh, is a refreshing thing to view the eyes through the lens of a, a child when oftentimes at work we're addressing challenges or um, you know maybe an issue that has bubbled up to be able to spend time with kids who see everything through such fun and fresh eyes is wonderful. Also, they don't take no for an answer. What a good lesson to learn when you're in business. Kids don't take no for an answer. Also, kids forgive so quickly. Something happens and the next thing you know, they're, they're best friends again. And so uh, spending time with my kids. Um, I love spending time with my wife as well. Um, she's my best friend. We love to, to do all of the Duluth outdoor things that we have the luxury of enjoying. Um, and I love outdoor exercise. So whether it's uh, winter, spring, summer, or fall, I love being outside and doing things like that. Perfect. By the way, this is called the packed question segment. Okay. What's, what's your biggest fear, Matt? Let's unpack these things. Uh, my biggest fear. Uh, boy, um, I don't want to go too dark here, but I think my biggest fear would be uh, probably two things. One, um, not being able to spend enough time with my kids. And I mean that in the sense of, on a weekly basis, not being able to spend enough time with them, um, but also on the terminal basis of, I hope to be alive for a long time, to be a part of my kids' lives. I've gotten to experience that with my parents, uh, where now I get to see them as, as grandparents. Um, I really hope that I am fortunate enough and healthy enough to have that exist. Um, on the week-to-week -week basis, that, that's the challenge of work and life balance and something that for sure I have more control over. So those things, and then, um, I think another fear would be uh, not leaving a lasting legacy and, and being forgotten. And, and I think that 
So that would be something that on a daily basis, trying to do um, things that are impactful and that are positive and that can leave an impact. I don't think you're going to have to worry about that fear too much, Matt. Last one, Matt, favorite movie. Sandlot, no question. There you, there you go. Folks, today this has been an incredible uh, journey that we've had with Matt Baumgartner, president of the Duluth Area Chamber of Commerce. Matt, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate all of your insight. We are looking forward to the future with you. I think people have gotten a heck of a lot of great information from you on whether they live in this area or a different part of the country, what the chambers are actually there for. So we thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, Tom. And thank you to the Duluth PAC team for everything that you do in this area. It was fun for me to be able to answer questions from you because by, I've been a part of settings where people are asking you questions as an esteemed leader in this community. So to have the tables flipped was fun. So thank you very much to you and your team. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you. We appreciate it. And folks, until next time, unplug from the indoors and recharge in the outdoors. Thank you for listening to another episode of Leader of the Pack. Don't forget to rate this podcast. And we would certainly be grateful if you'd give us five stars. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. Follow Duluth Pack on social media at Duluth Pack. And shop online at DuluthPack.com. Don't forget to support American jobs and buy American made.